Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm pretty excited today to have on the on the line from uh, Riverside in California, uh, David Patrick. So welcome, David. Hey, thanks so much, Anthony, for uh, having me on your show and, and uh, look forward to chatting with you. Yeah, great to have you on. You know, like it's a, it's a bit of a quiet time for all of us, like basketball was, but still, I guess, lots to, lots to talk about and and find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. We're getting back into, you know, the swing of it over here as well in terms of basketball. So um, we'll talk a bit about that later on. Excited to have you on too, just to, to talk to you about your um, involvement with the Boomers last year and, and that experience and, and, and sort of uh, what's ahead with, with that program as well. So one of the things I normally start with, you know, with my guests is just telling us a bit about your background and, and where, you, where, you, where you started in basketball and how you got involved and, and um, a bit of an interesting story yours so I, I'm keen to sort of find out a bit more about it like how did you how did you get to Melbourne and uh, what it was and I've talked to a few guests you know who were right involved in that Melbourne basketball situation in their junior days and you know in and yeah. around Albert Park and the Tigers and all that sort of thing so tell us about that yeah look I mean you may need two podcasts for me to give you the whole story <laughs> so, I'll, so, I'll, so I'll, I'll shorten it you know I, I moved to uh, to Australia and to Melbourne when I was about t- when I was 10 and um, you know, when I got to Melbourne, the sport at that time was the VFL, not even the AFL. All oh, right. And uh, I, I hadn't picked up a ball. Um, so I started trying to play football to kind of footy to try to fit in and did some track and field and played tennis. And then um, in my when I get home from school, there was a court at my primary school close to me. So around 12, I started started playing ball and um, went through my junior career at Sandringham Sabres and then went on to Melbourne Tigers about when I was 13. And uh, so right. just probably like everyone else, I'm in the Melbourne Tiger tree. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a part of the Ken Watson and Des Middleton and Al Westover days growing up. And, um, you know, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to um, play for state teams there from under 16s, under 18s, all the way up. And, um, you know, played for some great coaches and, you know, Ian Stacker and Bruce Palmer was running around there when, when, when we were younger. And, um, just just around a lot of good coaches in basketball back then. Brian Gorgian was in Melbourne at the time. Brett Brown was, you know, with, with the Tigers at the time. So yeah. uh, the, 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 the sport there, like it still is, was, was booming. And, um, you know, I was able to, from that, have a chance to come to college here in the States. And um, I decided not to go to the NBL at, a, at, a, at 17, 18 years old. I decided to go the other route and, and pursue my, my dream of going to college and playing. Um, probably why, probably not smart because the rest of my mates played in the NBL and made a lot more money than me at a young age. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's worked out. You know, I played in college uh, at Syracuse University. Um, in 1996 and went to the national championship against Kentucky where we lost. And uh, then I transferred to Louisiana Lafayette, which is um, where Kevin Brooks was with the Adelaide 36 yeah. played yeah. and Orin Green that played in the NBL played there. So played there four years and had the opportunity to come back and play, uh, play in the NBL for the once Canberra Cannons, which, uh, which for some listeners know they were in the NBL back in the day, <laughs> but uh, you know, played for them uh, for a few years and then uh, they went, went, 
went into administration and went under. Mm. Um, and then I had a chance to go to Europe for a couple of years. And then I got, um, got injured in Canberra and in, the, in, in Europe. And then uh, that ended my playing career. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, quickly. I, number of the coaches I've talked to, that's usually how they get into coaching. Like they get an injury and all of a sudden now they're uh, got to think about something else. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and I, I guess I sit, sit now as a head coach and say, uh, you know, whatever, I'm, you know, I believe in God, but, but whatever, everything happens for a reason. Yep. And I think that injury, um, forced me to get into coaching. You know, I, 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 like anybody, I have my degree, but uh, it was in business, but didn't know that I really wanted to study, uh, study that, didn't know yeah. what I was going to do in, in, in coaching, uh, came calling. Oh, nice. Yeah. So lots of, um, really, like you say, really experienced coaches that you're involved in. Like, is there any sort of, you know, two or three guys in particular that either coach you directly in a team you played in or, um, you know, just had a real lasting sort of philosophy that you took on and put it in your back pocket and then, and sort of now you're, you know, can see the wisdom that they were trying to teach you back then <laughs> and you're using it now? You know, obviously, I, I'll just talk about the Australian coaches. I, you know, I think uh, our, our base in Melbourne Tigers was, was through Ken Watson and, and um, we ran first and thirds, and um, I was I was fortunate enough to be able to train with the Melbourne Tiger, you know, senior team with Lindsey Gaze coaching us, and just just learning and being around the Andrew Gaze and Leonard Copeland and Dave Simmons and Warren, I mean, you can go on and on, Warren Giddy, all, all those guys are young, 14, 15 year old. You, you learn the game fast and the right way to play the game. Um, at the cutting and the moving and the catching, which isn't in the game anymore. Everything's pick and roll yeah. now. Yeah. So I thought what we had out as a base there at Melbourne um, has really helped me uh, as a coach. And then, you know, when I talk about growing up on, on our state teams, you know, our state coaches were, were, were Ian Stacker and Mark Watkins, who were, who were been national coaches and NBO coaches. And um, to be around that at a young age, at least gave me a great foundation. Um, and, and our playing group in terms of not losing, you know, we had Sam McKinnon and Chris mm-hmm. Anstey and, um, you know, Aaron Traher was in that when it was in our age group and, um, it was a competitive time in, in Australian basketball. And so to play with those guys and be around those guys, I think just, you know, helped me, uh, understand what winning, winning, winning is all about at a young age. Yeah, yeah. And um, like you say, great experienced guys and all still pretty much involved with the game too. So I wanted to just ask you a little bit about that year you played with Syracuse and um, I mean, what an introduction to college basketball, you know, first year in and you're in the NCAA, NCAA final. Uh, what was that like? When, and I guess too, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, uh, how was uh, Coach Boheim as well in terms of a, a, a coach and a, and a leader? Of course. Well, I, I have a more love and appreciation for him now than I did at uh, 19 <laughs> years old, <laughs> you know. Um, but I tell you what, man, like like coming through that system in Victoria and Melbourne, like we didn't we didn't lose a lot. You know, we, we won a lot of games with the Tigers because we were loaded. We won all our national championships with Victoria. And so I didn't know not getting to a championship final. So when I was a freshman and we got to the national championship, I just thought that happened like all the time. Like, yeah. Of course, that's what you do. You get to the finals, and and, and hopefully you, you you figure out a way to win. And um, I was so young, um, and didn't realize that Allen Iverson was who Allen Iverson is now. I didn't know Ray Allen was who Ray Allen is, is now, and and Rip Hamilton, and they're, they're the guys that we were we were going up against. Marcus Camby when we were in the uh, on our way to the final four, you know, and. Um, 
when I look back at, at it now, it just blow, blow, blows my mind that, that, because I know how hard it is now as a coach yeah. and after going to other schools, how hard it is to even get in the NCAA tournament, you know, but uh, we had a team that was tight. And the one thing I would say, we're probably, we're one of the least talented teams at Syracuse at the time. If you just look at the, the, the roster, we only had one NBA player and John Wallace who played with the Knicks, yeah. but our team was so close. And no matter how much, Coach Beheim got on us, and it was for a good reason. Uh, our team stuck together. Um, I learned zone defense because because that was it's a key, yeah, uh, a, a big fingerprint of of, of of Syracuse and Coach Beheim. And uh, you know he lets you play, you know, and and uh, I also learned tough love and what what, what it's really about <laughs> and stuff. Um, but just there again, just just winning and what it is to win at an elite level um, mm. was was an experience that. Uh, that, I, that I'll never forget. And then um, I suppose, I, you know, when you did that sort of stint over at the Houston Rockets as a personnel scout, like I guess that was maybe your first taste of NBA, like uh, and what's that uh, environment was like? Like um, how was that for you? And uh, was it sort of what you thought it would be, like, you know, before you got into it? You know what? It, it, it was, you know, and, and what I didn't know was like when you, you either work in the front office or you work, you know, on, uh, on the court with the team. You're either yep. bench coach or the front office. And so um, because of the success we had had at St. Mary's and, and, and the way we had won there, and um, we used our analytical system at St. Mary's back in, you know, 07 to even now that, that's yep. now involved with everybody. But we were one of the few college teams doing that that enabled me to get an opportunity with the Rockets. And so um, when I was there, your interaction with the team – is, is so much different because you're evaluating them daily and trading and, and, and watching a lot of film and traveling a lot. Uh, so I loved it, but it wasn't the same as being on the floor and being, being hands-on, but to, to, you know, to be, a, to be around Yao Ming and, and Ron Artest beef briefly and uh, the NBA types that would come into our arena weekly Shaq was playing back then and LeBron, like you walk by him, like it's nothing and, 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 and talk to him. It, it was kind of surreal for a while and then it becomes normal. It's what you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask about your, uh, I guess, the, you know, the journey in terms of the, the college teams that you were involved with. So um, started off there at uh, Nichols State and then uh, went to St. Mary's for, for four years too. I, I was lucky enough in 2015, I dropped in at St. Mary's and spent some time with Marty Clark and, and met Coach Bennett there. So um, great atmosphere great. there at St. Mary's, isn't it? At, at Moraga, like a nice it's venue. Fantastic. Very, very tight little community as well. So, um, there's... It's awesome. You know, and... and um, so, no, I definitely... I, I feel you in and, and, like, yeah, I'm a head coach at, at, at UC Riverside, but a lot of it is... Everyone's asked, how'd you get there? Some of it's luck and some of it's work. You know, it's not like I'm, a, I'm any better than anybody else. I think right place, right time. There's a lot to do with the, with, with the profession that we're in, right? And so, yeah. um, you know, I went to Nichols State... But my high school coach uh, got the head coaching job at Nichols State, yep. and he's who hired me when I got the job. And so um, that's not normal that you know that, <laughs> that your high school coach gets a head coaching job and you get get hired by him. Um, I go to St. Mary's a year later uh, only because I met their assistant coach recruiting in Perth. Yep. Um, they had an under eighteen tournament out at uh, Lake, uh, Perry Lakes. Oh yeah, and so I, I met their assistant coach. Uh, we became friends. Three months later, we go for drinks at the Final Four. We connect with Coach Bennett, and then two months later, he, he offers me a job. 
Yeah, and, nice. uh, that's, that's, I don't go to Perry Lakes. I don't get to St. Mary's, you know, it's very, it's very, uh, kind of all, all matched up. You know, I was fortunate enough there to know that, uh, at St. Mary's, they were recruiting Patty Mills at the time when I, play, um, excuse me, when I played at Canberra, uh, Patty Mills was our ball boy. Yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, I read that pretty, <laughs> pretty easy, uh, recruiting cell. Cause he knew him and his family knew who was coming. And so, you know, after Patty came, he kind of opened up the doors, uh, for a lot of the other guys that came in from Delhi to Mitch Young, uh, obviously he was from Queensland and so on and yeah. so forth. So, um, St. Mary's is, wasn't what it is now. You know, I think we'd won 17 games my first year there. Yeah. Uh, we get, we get Patty the next year, we win 27 games. And then I don't think Randy's missed a beat, uh, since, you know, since then. Um, <laughs> so it's been amazing to see that program grow and be, and be a part of it, uh, from afar. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, how, how did the other, um, sort of assistant coaching gigs come up or did you sort of, I guess the question I want to ask is like, how did you know when it's time to, to move on? You know, like, um, some people stay out of college a long time and then like you say, other times things, things just happen and, uh, the planets line up and, and it's a good opportunity and, and you just end up taking it. So yeah, interested to you see know, how that went. You know, I, th- I think, you know, I think even in business, like a lot of this is relationships and, and, mm. and are you nurturing your relationships or not? And, and you're not doing them to get something out of it, but I've just been blessed and fortunate that, that good things have happened to me in terms of the basketball world. Um, so at St. Mary's, we're there five years and we make the Sweet 16 and um, the Sweet 16's in Houston. Um, who would know that they'd come knocking and, and, and wanted somebody to international experience to, to, to help. You know, and so that door opened uh, for me um, from a good friend, Gerson Brosis, who's now the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. Um, I'm there two years, and um, Johnny Jones gets the LSU job. Um, Johnny Jones recruited me in high school, and I went to Syracuse instead of LSU. He gets the head coaching job, knocks at my door, and asks me what I consider coming back. Um, my wife happens to be from Louisiana, so it was a oh, – yeah good sell for him. Uh, he sold it to my wife more than he sold it to me. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it worked. It was, it was a great match. I've had, I've had a lot of respect for coach Jones my, my, my whole life and kind of wanted to be him, um, as a coach. And so to have that opportunity to go to LSU and coach, you know, that door, open. you know, yep. I'm, I'm there four years and we had some highs and lows and, um, obviously, you, you know, the guys that played for us and Ben Simmons and Jarrell Martin, Jordan Mickey, we had a, numerous NBA players. Um, after four years, I think, um, I don't think, I know Jamie Dixon got the job at TCU. Um, we're connected through through St. Mary's and Randy Bennett and, and Kyle Smith, who, who were together. He calls me and asked me to go to uh, be his top man at, at TCU. And initially I said no. <laughs> and then I went and saw the campus and saw what it was about and, and it blew my mind. And for me, it was just another opportunity to keep learning from other coaches. And that, that's yeah. the one thing uh, that I tried to do was just keep learning and, and keep trying to build my portfolio so I could grow as a coach. And if I became a head coach, so be it. And I was fortunate after our two years at, at TCU where we had a lot of success uh, to, to get this job here at UC Riverside. 
Yeah, yeah. I I listened to your podcast you did with uh, Coach Brennan Sir, and um, yeah, that, that sort of explained how that opportunity there at Riverside came up. Um, and again, yeah, just good timing, and like you say, just connecting with people and and having meaningful and you know valuable relationships. It, you know, just really important, isn't it? it? It definitely is. You know, and I I think it helped. You know, for me that uh, you know. So, St. Mary's had a want, wanted to recruit Australia and wanted to recruit, recruit that side of the world. You know, maybe I don't end up there if they don't want to tap into that side of the world. Mm. Um, obviously, LSU. Um, the first guy we signed was actually Dang Dang Akil. He plays played in the NBA for the Sydney Kings. He was our first Aussie, and then obviously Ben came two years later. Yeah. Um, but Johnny knew the value of, of, of trying to recruit over there. Um, as well, we had Darcy Malone as well from from Canberra uh, with us in, at LSU, and then Jamie having Steve Adams at at, um, at at Pitt before he came to TCU, and having lived and played and coached in New Zealand, right. he wanted to get into that side of the world. You know, Quat yeah. Noy, um, who's now playing with the Kansas Tide fans, um, came with us a year later, and uh, Angus McWilliam, who's with me now at UC Riverside, came from New Zealand. So I had some coaches that valued. Australia and New Zealand, which enabled me uh, to be a commodity for them if they did hire me when it came to the recruiting yeah. side of things. Okay, nice. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about uh, UC Riverside in a minute, but I did want to sort of spend a bit of time saying, I guess, congratulations on, on the on your role last year with the Boomers. Certainly reminded everyone that you're 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 an Aussie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, getting back in the mix there with the Boomers. I had a look on the internet there, and yeah, it's like what a couple of weeks time and it would be the one year anniversary of that game against the Philippines uh, with the boomers I guess what was that experience like you know not only I suppose going to the to the FIBA World Cup the, the China trip as well but also that that pre-qualifier uh, you know where that Malay broke out and uh, oh and yeah. like- well, I will say this from the deal you know so I didn't come on till after the Malay Oh, did so you? I was uh, okay. the, yeah yeah so uh, was it just me yeah I didn't go to the Malay and nor was uh Will Weaver, we were both still in the oh, states. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we watched from afar, and it's uh, it was when I watched from afar. But I have a Filipino, Philippine American assistant, and I got an Aussie assistant. Oh, okay, yep. and uh, when that melee happened, I said, "We better not be throwing desks around around the office." <laughs> Today, you guys, you guys were, were all on the same team. So, um, but uh, no, I wasn't fortunate to be be a part of it. But obviously, saw it from a from afar, the pre-qualifying yeah. stuff. And what about the um, the tournament in China? Obviously, uh, guys would have been, um, you know, really gave it a good crack, uh, but unfortunately came a bit short at the end. But like from a coaching perspective, what did you learn out of that tournament? Well, look, I, I think when we talk about playing for Australia or whatever the sport may be, you, you know, it's the, the camaraderie and the toughness and, and the, the connectivity between any group that I think that plays internationally, whatever sport it may be. And that, that rang true with that team in China. You know, um, we, we, we took a good group. We, we, we didn't take, we missed on some of the NBA guys either through injury or guys that sat out. Um, and to be one shot away from, from being in the final mm. uh, w- w- would tell you how good a coaching job uh, Coach Lamanis did, Andre did, and how good a playing uh, effort the team put in. And uh, I've never been around a tighter group of staff from, from Andre to Luke to Cape Horn or Will to myself when we were a tight group and, and the team itself were tight. And so, you know, everything was in cohesion. And so um, the games were the games, but the time together uh, was what, was, which what, was what makes 
you know, representing Australia is so special, mm. especially uh, on a team that was able to to defy the odds and and get to a chance to win a gold, uh, you know, to win a medal, even though we fell up, fell up, fell short. Yeah, like in terms of your role, I, I sort of read a, an article online. You're just saying just the time, you know, between games and stuff was pretty intense in terms of trying to do scouting and that sort of thing. And I, I guess how did you adjust with that? You know, like a probably not not a typical scenario, like uh, in terms of turnaround time. But um, yeah, what, what did you focus on? You know, like when you're doing that scouting. Look, I think uh, Dre did a good job of. of, of dissecting who had which teams going into the tournament. And so you weren't preparing on the fly. Like you were prepared for Lithuania probably a week out and then you'd yep. be prepared. I think uh, I had the uh, Dominican Republic. They, we didn't think they'd get to the, to the sweet 16. They did. And if you know, we were prepared for that. And, and then Czechoslovakia were, 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 were people didn't think they were going to get that far and they did. And so mm. uh, we all had our teams. And so you had to, the fact that he did that on the front end had us prepared on the when we we're going through the uh, through the storm, you know. But uh, I, you know the preparation, I, I, as good a job as we did as coaches in terms of preparing them to play and having a great game plan. Um, the players, in terms of how quickly they picked up from game to game, and their commitment to doing what we asked on defense and doing what we asked on offense yep. uh, definitely helps it helps any coach, you know, when you have veteran guys and Bogut, Mills, Deli, and Ingles and Baines, uh, that definitely helps uh, any coach because they've been in the fire before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they help the Goulding's of the world and the Mitch Creeks and the Jock Londales. And if I miss some guys, I apologize, but that helped them having those five, you know, experienced players uh, uh, on the court that could help the coaching staff as well. Yeah, I mean, what is it exactly that those older guys bring? I sh- shouldn't say older, but you know, the the guys with the experience and the and the, the you know the awareness and all that sort of thing. Like, is it stuff you see in a timeout? Is it you know stuff that happens on the bus on the way to and from yeah. games? Is it you know what is it exactly? Look, I think it's I think it's all of that. I think it's preparation. I think yeah, like you do in the NBA or they do in the NBA, their familiarity with the Lithuania because they played against. Uh, Sabonis and Balanchunas for two years in the past. That's a lot, a lot different than just showing up and not knowing your opponent. Mm. Um, I think it's uh, knowing that uh, going to a game like France and knowing like uh, you, you know how prepared you got to be to 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 maybe not try to shoot the ball at the rim against Gobert and and the nuances of the of, of the game that those guys knew on the fly. Um, you know, it was amazing, amazing to see, you know, yeah. and uh, um, it go, comes with experience, right? And, and, and to have that veteran group uh, be able to talk to our new guys, even though some of them are just as old as that group, uh, just helped us all uh, through the journey. And, you know, when you're traveling in, in China or some of these countries, it's not easy. It's not the same mm-hmm. as it is in the U.S. or yeah. in Australia. And so uh, adversity and stuff that may come up, uh, whether it's hotel, travel, flags delayed like they they didn't let that stuff affect them yeah. uh, the veterans and that i think that helped help this group or help that group yeah yeah nice so let's talk a little bit about, about uc riverside on our podcast here you've got a nice picture in the background of lots of banners hanging on the wall um what's the you know what were your when you first uh, started there as head coach like how did you again bringing bringing with you what you'd you know, places you'd been and experiences you'd had, like what was your first job in terms – and I just wanted to sort of focus a little bit on culture, you know, like uh, how you come in as a new coach, how, how do you 
how do you start addressing culture? Yeah, you know, you know, typically you, you don't get a job unless somebody leaves for a bigger job and you inherit the job, or unfortunately somebody gets let go. And if and life came into a situation where um, the previous coach got let go, and um, for various reasons, and, and, and I took over a program that had won a lot, you know, and I've also come from programs that have won a lot. And so uh, I think you, my main job was to assess um, assess the talent level, and it started with – or assess the team I had. Yeah. And it started with, you know, just who's going to work, who's going to have a great attitude, and who's going to be able to count them. And that – for me, that has nothing to do with running, jumping, how many shots you make. It's just – are you going to meet the standards? And I raised the standards of what, what was what was important to me, yep. whether it's showing up, showing up on time, going to class, making all your sprints, getting an extra work in the gym. That's how I assessed um, who was going to be a part of our program. Um, it started with my staff. I hired guys that were hard workers. Um, and then I, um, after year one, um, I basically had, a, a 10 team, 10 people were, were, were out of my program. And, yeah. uh wasn't because they couldn't play. Um, it was our standards probably didn't align. And sometimes, yep. you know, other places are better for some and whatnot. And so um, I was able to get my core group of guys in here year two. We won 10 games in year one, uh, which, believe it or not, it's a lot for a first-year head coach. Yeah. Uh, I think they'd won, won eight before I got here. Um, and then in year two, um, the the culture in terms of working hard and and, and, and playing with a toughness uh, group, and then in the second year we, we won seventeen games before getting getting cut short with, with COVID, and so yeah, um, definitely with our culture's work ethic, toughness, and being held accountable, and and and, and we don't I don't back down or any of that or, or give you give any any uh, leeway to any of that. Yeah. So when, uh, I guess, you do get new people into the program, like how do you explain that culture to them so that they hit the ground running in terms of, you know, what your expectations are, but how even like the players like hold each other accountable? Look, at you know, it's basically we just have, we have a high performance um, culture here. And so like they get statted when they shoot and they get statted if they win or lose. Like everything we do is competitive when it comes to the practice floor, whether it's yep. shooting, whether it's defense, whether it's uh, there's a winner and loser, and so my goal to them is you want to be on the side of winning more than you are yeah. of losing. Um, when it comes to conditioning, you know we, we we set standards in terms of what our conditioning times would be, and there's a yep. goal, and you either meet it or you don't. And if you don't meet it, then we're not dropping out standard. Do you? You better find a way to get there. Yeah. Um, and same same academically, you know we we have a standard that we want a, a threshold we want to meet, which is a three and if you don't meet it, then you'll spend a lot of time in study hall. And so yep. uh, they're not unattainable goals, but I think if you have all those things in line and and preach it daily, not can't be ups and downs, like we, we preach it and live by it, um, you're going to be rewarded. And Because and, uh, I've been around it. It's what we did at St. Mary's. It's what we did at uh, LSU, TCU, and, and, and I'm hopeful uh, that – the pays off here. Yeah, yeah. Now, it certainly, it sounds like you know, just looking at that that seventeen win record you had before you got cut short. Like, um, yeah, things are in place and it's moving in the right direction, isn't it? Like, you know, what's what's the um, indicator of success for you? You know, the first is, and I know this sounds cliche, but for me, if if all my guys can graduate from here 
and yeah. uh, have a great experience um, is, is, is success to me. And, and, and success is whether they decide to get married, uh, going in the work field, um, because I'm an example of we all are like the ball's going to stop at some point, you know, and yeah. uh, hopefully along the way uh, we can hang some banners. Um, but, you know, can they leave this place better than they were? And if yeah. they can and, 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 and we can as a staff, then I think we're going to be successful um, along the way. And yep. um, for me here, it'll be to win a Big West championship, which hasn't been done here. Um, we, we won 17 games, which is the most in, tied for the most in school history. Um, but I want to win a Big West championship. So uh, whether that takes 16 games, 30, I, don't, I don't know what the number is, but I want to be able to hang a banner up here for these guys, you know, for, for, for the players that are not only in our program, but the ones that came before us here at Riverside. And, and uh, I think we have a chance to do that here in the next couple of years. Yeah. You talked earlier about, you know, that, that sort of expectation of winning, you know, coming out of Melbourne. And I know myself, I've, I've been involved in a program that has been unsuccessful for a few years. And then, you know, like it's almost like sort of changing the attitude. So winning is what you expect to do every time you step on the floor. Like, is that uh, something you've, you've thought about or like, how do you talk to the guys about that? A hundred percent. And I, and I do, you know, like we don't want moral victories. We don't want all, oh, it was close. And uh, we won at Nebraska this this year, which is in the Big Ten. And yeah. uh, I think we won by 18 or 20 or something. So, um, you know, my, my talk to them before the team is like, it's always when we win and how we're going to win and not if we win or keep it close. So um, I, I, I think you always have to talk about winning and how you're going to process that. Yeah. Um, and that's what's kind of helped me try to make these guys, some of the guys that we had, uh, in believers in winning. And, um, you have to raise the bar higher. If you, you know, if you're, if you've lost, or if you're in a program that's lost a lot, we, well, we got to set the standard higher. We may not get to it, but the closer we start getting to it, uh, we'll at some point equate equate to winning. Yeah, yeah. So just talking about your staff, uh, David, sometimes it's probably hard to to find guys who have got that level of experience. Uh, other other times, you know, I guess you'd see lots of coaches who are, who are real keen and probably work 24 hours a day. But what's the, um, you know, what are you looking for in terms of your coaching staff? Are you looking for that, that blend of experience and just uh, practicality as well? Or um, does it come down to, I guess for you, like you said earlier, the, the relationship that they can build for the players? You know, I think it's a combination of both. The way the way I think you can have successful staffs is is um, they have to have the same beliefs you do, and it's all it's all fine and dandy to bring new ideas. But if you're not aligned, uh, it makes it tougher. Um, I've tried to at least my staff is is in my coaching tree, and that's yep. kind of um, important to me. Uh, I have my my associate head coach Mike McPyle. Uh, came from the University of San Francisco. He worked with a guy named Kyle Smith who was with me at St. Mary's. Oh, yeah. And so he knows what, what's expected and what drills we want to do, um, et cetera. Uh, my other assistant is uh, Mike Zeppel, uh, who played for me at Nichols State. And he's from Australia. He was the high performance manager at, at, at Victoria. Uh, right. There again, he knows he knows this is what DP wants. I mean, I played for him. I know him. I, I mean, I, I, he, he knows me. And I, yeah. and, I, and I know him and I, and I trust him. Um, and when he tells me about a kid in Australia or he tells me a kid slacking on the floor, I don't need to question it because I, 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 I trust him all heartily. You know, and then my third assistant is Mike Lezak, and uh, he worked with me at TCU. 
um, as a young, a younger assistant, as a graduate assistant. Um, but he did our worked all our post players out at TCU. And so, yeah. uh, I know with him, with the post here that I know what I'm getting from him. And then my, my final guy is Wayne Hunter, uh, who played for us at St. Mary's. And so, um, back in 08, 09, on that sweet six and the sweet 16 team and so uh, i have guys that are aligned with what i'm about and that yep. also come from the programs i've been at and um I, it, I find it easier for me in terms of a drill or an experience or and i was hard on wayne as a coach but he can talk to it now as a man like this has helped me be a man like my coaches can can come back and say sometimes it's tough love and, and that they can speak for it rather than somebody make it up for me yeah. Um, what's the toughest part of, of being in a, in a Div 1 school, at, at, you know, in California or, or just yeah. probably could be anywhere, I suppose? You know, I, I will say this, you just, uh, you're under scrutiny so much more now with, 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 with social media, uh, with, the, you know, everywhere you go, if somebody, you know, when you're at the Division 1 level, you're, you're always under the, uh, under the watch. And uh, um, that's tough, but it's, it's also, you know, it's, it's also shows that you're, you're probably – um, important, you know, in, in terms of that, terms yeah. of that realm. Um, but every mistake I make now is on ESPN or Fox Sports, <laughs> and, and, and 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 I have friends and family that tell me about it, you know. And I'm not perfect by by any sense as a coach, but uh, uh, that's the one thing when you're in the Division One level, you can't hide. And uh, uh, when you're an assistant coach, and when I was one for so long, I had all the answers, what to run. Well, you know who to sub out, what defense to play, and when you move that those eight inches over or six inches over, it becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit harder. And I, I have a newfound respect uh, for head coaches because you got to deal with so much. But uh, uh, wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. But uh, uh, I, I think my better days are yet to come. As Nice. Uh, I read online uh, as well. You're, you, you know, you, you, you're like a, a four out, one in type, type approach, and get into a little bit of technical stuff here. But what you know led you to to that sort of uh, way of thinking? And and yeah, you know, probably it's all also based on your personnel too. But like, um, what is it that you you know you like to do? What, what are the trademarks of your offensive philosophy? Look, and I and I and I I'm a four out, one in guy. One because I wanted to spread the floor. And um, have a one and have a post presence in the middle. Um, I think you have a post presence in the middle, and you can spread the floor out. It's hard to double team the double team the post as much if you got four guys that can shoot. Um, it's harder to play four out one in if you got two guys out there that can't shoot. They'll just sit in the sit in the lane and sit on your post. And then you got to have a post player, you know, yeah. and, uh, which we do. Um, I will tell you though, since that article, we 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 probably um, evolved through the course of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I had to evolve as a coach as well. You know, I, I guess my point of difference with this team as we got through the season was we're probably the second biggest team in our conference, UCR by being the first, yeah. us being the second. This year will be the biggest for sure. Um, and so I went to three out to win, which is not normal. You know, I kind of said, hey, let's let's try to – Turn the tables a little bit because we are big. We're seven two, six ten, six nine, right. six eight, and probably didn't have the shooting that I had the year before, and so yeah. I had to change on the fly. Um, and it helped us defensively, and 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 continue to help us offensively. And so I've evolved um, as the course of the year went on um, in that realm. But uh, you know, I think playing and pick and roll, you got to be able to spread the floor. And mm. Guards want to play and pick and roll. 
but there again, you got to have guards that can play and pick and roll. And so um, as our team evolves and the players we get, I think good coaches uh, put their players in the best spots. And that's what we're trying to do as we keep building this thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you talked earlier about, you know, that old style uh, style of play, you know, like I'm probably thinking with the, with that Tigers background, you drop a bit of shuffle in there every now and then or something. But, you know, that, that, that sort of um, spacing and movement off the ball, is that something that you're keen on as well? Um, very big, you know, and, and I think, you know, the boom and stuff with Dre, he did a great job with his flow offense, and that's a lot of cutting and moving, and uh, not as much ball screens as, as, as we traditionally see. And I, I think what you find when you watch the game, if teams cut more, like teams aren't used to guarding it because so many teams mm. play in pick and roll now. It's like the invo thing. Everyone plays in pick and roll, whether it's yeah. horns or middle ball screen. And so that's what we get used to guarding because we do it so much. But when you play against teams that cut and move, you typically don't play against that, at least over here. Yeah. And so uh, we try to incorporate that in our offense some, um, and we got to continue evolving that because that's been, that's been good for us, uh, really good for us. Yeah. Yeah, nice. What's happening like uh, with you at the moment? I know uh, everyone's, you know, experiencing the worldwide COVID stuff. But did you have, you know, like it's good opportunity probably for coaches to to get involved with a bit of, you know, a lot of the online clinics and and um, seminars and stuff that are going on. Has there been any of that sort of stuff that you've seen that you sort of really appreciated or really got a lot of content out of? You know what? I, it's been really good to, to grow and m- m- more so for my assistants. And I, and I say that, I mean, when you're an assistant coach, like this time of the year, you're recruiting or you're, you've got camp coming up and you, you, you're constantly like in the hamster wheel and well, you're working at your team. And um, there's a lot of time not to grow as an assistant unless you put time into it. And yeah. so it's forced my assistants, not forced my, but giving them an opportunity to do that. Um, um, for me, I about three years ago started going to clinics on my own at this time of year, yeah. paying out of my pocket to, to try to grow as a coach. Um, so I'd already done that, but a lot of assistants don't have the time to do that, right? Um, so that's helped. I think for me, uh, I'm on a Zoom every Tuesday and Friday um, with eight head coaches. And from like yesterday on my Zoom was Jeff Van Gundy and Mike Brown. You know, oh, nice. we have an intimate group. Um, yeah. They did an article on it in the athletic the other the other week, uh, where it's Ivy League head coaches and um, American East head coaches. Uh, Porter Moses on there from Loyola, Chicago, and we share back we share a different topic every Tuesday and Friday, and so that's been amazing uh, mm. for me uh, to grow. And uh, we really open up our programs to each other. We keep it intimate um, just to grow because um, I think a lot of times as coaches we we keep our, our plays and our stuff close to our vest yeah, and yeah. Uh, don't, don't want to share it, especially in college. Um, we, we, we don't want to give away our trade secrets, but this, this period has enabled me to uh, enable us to do that. Yeah. Nice. And is it something that you think will continue or once everything starts up again, uh, everyone will just get back into the routine and might stop? You know, our group of eight, we've been doing it for, Probably seven years now. Oh, really? And okay. So we, yeah. yeah. So we, 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 not as much on the Zooms, but on the, on the group text or we yeah. get together in the, uh, at the Final Fours, et cetera. Um, I think the Zooms will back down, but the sharing uh, probably will continue. Yeah. Um, but I think for, for, for other coaches, it's so hard uh, to continue to do this when you got to go back to your, to your programs, you know, because yeah. all the knowledge you're getting, now you, hopefully you can implement that in some way to your team if it fits or yep. you can put it in your scrapbook and 
and use it when you get your own program, you know? And so um, that's been the one good thing out of, out of COVID, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So how are the next six months looking for you, David? Are you, um, when can you guys start again? Is that sort of known yet? It's not known. I think some schools have opened now. So some schools have opened up this week. Um, A lot of the football schools um, have started to bring their student athletes back. Um, We're a little bit of an advantage here. We don't start school here till October. Most of them start in August. We don't start till October. So we have a little bit of more time. Uh, our hopes to bring our guys back in August yep. and, and and try to get them in a condition first and, and, and strength <laughs> component that there's only so many dumbbells we can we can lift at, the, at home. <laughs> I don't know what they got in Australia, but they ain't got enough dumbbells here for my, <laughs> for my, for my guys. But, uh, you know, that's the hope to get them back in August and try to get them uh, back into the condition that they lost from March to now and yeah. uh, get them amalgamated as a team because that's one thing I think you lose through the summer as your team grows together as a unit whether it's going to the movies or hanging out at the beach or whatever, yeah. whatever's away from like you you lose that summer yeah. and so how can you build team uh, in a small period will be the other challenge I think for, for us as coaches when these kids come back to campus yeah I mean just that's probably a good uh, question actually like what, what do you do in terms of that sort of team building you know when you get the new group together obviously <laughs> Every year, you've probably got guys going out and guys coming in. So, what are, what are some of your tricks or tricks? Yeah, the things things we you like to do. Yeah, so so this year has been unique. So this year we'll have uh, I don't know good or bad. I'll tell you next year, but we'll have nine <laughs> nine people nine student athletes from New Zealand and Australia. All right, so my team oh, yeah. is, is literally over that side of the world, and then my other six are spread between Chicago. Texas and Oakland. Yeah. And um, what we've tried to do at least right now is we have Zoom once a week when it was permissible. And um, we talk about what we want to do basketball wise. And then we uh, interact uh, as a group and it's only once a week, but at least it gets these guys um, somewhat getting to know each other. Cause yeah. we got a, We have a new group. Um, you know, typically during the year we, we've done boxing this time of year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get, them cool. out, get them get them out of the gym and, <laughs> and do something a little different. And for me, it's to get them tougher. But I don't tell them that. <laughs> it's the it's the it's to get them tougher because you know over here they don't play footy or rugby. So they, every time somebody comes near them, they put their hands up. <laughs> so we're trying to trying to get them a little tougher. Um, so that stuff's been fun in, in, in the past off seasons. Yeah, nice. Um, well, I guess uh, lots of um, waiting, I suppose, until until we get the green light to go ahead and, and get things organised. But really, do appreciate your time having a chat today. Like, I'm keen to find out what happens next year with the Olympics and your role there. So, uh, all the best with whatever comes up there. Do you, oh, it's a bit early to know yet what, what's going to happen there, David. Yeah, look, I, yeah, I think I think it's early. Obviously, we all know Brett Brown's the the, the new head coach, and I think um, he's. You know, Dre did a fantastic job, and I think Brett Brett will be able to take the baton and, and, and run with it. Um, you know, hopefully we can keep some of that coaching group together. Um, and the playing group um, should only be enhanced, you know, with the addition yeah. of um, Exum and Simmons and um, whoever else may make the, may, may make the cut. Um, I, I really think next year's group, uh, if and when the Olympics are played, um, has a chance to, 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 to compete for a gold medal, like, you know, like we did this past year in yeah. China. And, uh, you know, I think last year when we beat 
USA there in Melbourne. Um, and that, ex, you know, really, when, when you beat a team like that, I think it takes the monkey off your back to tell you that you can go out and beat them. And I don't think there's the – not that there was any fear before, but yeah. they've been so close in the past. And to get over that, go, get over that hurdle, I think now if you end up facing them, at least you know you have it in you to, to beat them in a in – a, or have a chance to beat them in a one-game one game series. Do you ever hear people try and sort of discount that game by sort of saying, oh, you know, it wasn't the best team, a lot of players didn't go, you know, from, from the USA? Or I know as Aussies, we sort of yeah. say, it doesn't matter, we won. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I get it all the time here. I said it wasn't our best team either. So we, 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 <laughs> I say we, we left some guys at home too or whatever, whatever. You know, yeah. at least Ben, ben and Dante went there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I throw it right back at them if that's the case. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that 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 doesn't matter. They, they had all-stars on that team. And um, I think just for, for Australia, or for, the, for the game itself and in, in Australia to win on their home soil against – uh, USA is a big accomplishment. For, yeah, for, yeah, for, for sure. Group. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, like I said, uh, thanks again, David, for making the time today. Uh, great to connect and hear what you're doing over there. Like, uh, looking forward to to seeing you, what your involvement is with the Boomers next year. But also, you know, all the best of luck with um, with your team there in the next season. And uh, yeah, just great to connect with another Aussie basketball coach overseas so, um, and hear what you're up to. So really do appreciate your time today. And thanks again. No, th- thank you, Anthony. And thanks for the great work of just, you know, sharing the game. And that's so yeah. important, I think, for, for everyone to know. So so, so we appreciate, appreciate you. And, you know, we listen to your podcast over here and it's good to keep up to date with what's going on uh, yes. down under. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, thanks again for that support. It's been good fun doing the podcast. Like, just a bit of a different perspective, and and like, as you say, you know, when you work with each other, you get to know coaches around the place, and you'd be amazed that you know how since I've been doing this, how many um, of these paths interconnect. You know, like uh, people you, you'd mentioned, and I've had them on the podcast too. And yeah, it's just fascinating, really. Like Sandy Brondell, I mentioned that she said it's a real community, and and I totally agree. You know, like. Uh, everyone's involved or you're either playing against each other or you, you know someone who, who's played with that person or been coached by that person. Oh. It's fantastic. Oh, it's amazing. And I'll let you go. But, you know, when I, when I think about the journey, like in 1995, I think I was one of like three Australians playing over here in college and now there's thousands. Yeah, know, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know the exact number, but it has got to be at least a thousand when you include, include the women and men. Yeah. And then when I started coaching at St. Mary's, it was just me at the division one level coaching. And now to see the other assistant coaches coming through the ranks and, uh, you know, I happen to be the first men's head coach, but I'm hopeful that there's many more um, Mm. that come along the way. Cause I think the way the game's played in Australia and taught in the talent level there, um, I, I think we can all have success. The ones that come over here. So, um, I'm just proud to be be a part of it and be uh, in my role at the moment. Yeah, sweet. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again, David. Um, thanks. Great to catch up with you, big fella, and um, yeah, appreciate care. your time. You too. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Coach, and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you, and thanks again for listening.